Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, From Crisis to Connection. Each week on this podcast, my guests and I will give you and your loved ones resources and tools to heal from the crises of infidelity, pornography, abusive behaviors, and betrayal trauma. But we also talk about how to build and maintain healthy connection in your most important relationships. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back, everyone. Today's episode is the second part of my interview with Sam Tielemans. If you have not listened to the first part, definitely encourage you to go back and check that out. Today, we're going to continue the conversation we've been having about how to improve outcomes for couples and how to really go to the source and do some deeper healing. I'm so grateful for Sam and his wisdom and just the great resources that he offers couples. So let's jump right into my interview, part two, with Sam Tielemans. So a lot of times when we're working with couples, Sam, and you and I do a ton of work with couples, a betrayed wife, in most of the cases, you and I both mostly work with betrayed wives and, and husbands that are trying to you know, reestablish trust and sexual integrity in the relationship. A lot of the times, the wife's reaction to her husband is going to sound to him a lot like identity stuff, mm-hmm. right? It's not going to sound like, you did this behavior in our relationship but I know that's not who you are and I really see who you really are. Right. No, it doesn't come out like that. It it comes out like, who are you? And how could you do that? What kind of a person are you? Like it gets into so much of it is around identity. It's so much of it is around. And so if he's taking her at face value, it's a really hard thing for him to translate into, you know, where he has to sort of filter those two things off and go like, okay, I did the behavior, but I'm also still a good person. Like that's a hard thing to do for you know, most people. It's really, really hard. And so that's when I, I think as I've tried to consolidate this process, one of the pillars that I think is so important is for both people, not just the husband, but both people to understand exactly why he does what he does. Because if the wife doesn't know why he acts out or why he gets defensive or why, you know, any fill in the blank with any behavior, if she doesn't know, she's going to attribute it to, okay, well, who are you? Like, what kind of yeah. person does this? Right. It's like, it's almost like she has no other way to process that, which makes sense. Right. If he just, if she just has experienced pain after pain, it's like, is like, this is who you are. He must be a bad apple. Exactly. Right. right? Which is then the message that he gets to mm-hmm. either from her or from himself. Definitely. Right. Which then furthers this like spiral for them. That's right. So I think that's such a, like, man, again, like I can give you countless examples. I remember one time being, uh, I was working at a clinic in Vegas that it opened up and it was a satellite office. So Addo is the name of it. If people have heard of that, it's a Salt Lake based clinic. They opened up a clinic here in Vegas. I'm in Las Vegas. And somebody drove from, I think it was like Provo. I don't know why they came. Oh, they drove because there was like a free assessment that we were giving everybody. 
So they drove like seven hours for this free assessment. And I knew they were not going to come back. It was just like they came in for this one session. Wow. And the husband comes in, they're coming together. And the husband says like, you know, this isn't really that big of a deal to me. I don't really want to like, I don't think I want to change. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, we have 45 minutes left. Like, what are we going to do then? You're here and you're not going to change. Yeah. <laughs> this is how we're starting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That was like the first thing they said. Wife said, no, she was the one who said it. She was like, my husband doesn't want to change. And I turned to him. I'm like, okay, well, wh- where are you with all this? And he's like, yeah, I don't, you know, this isn't that, I, yeah. I don't really want to change. And so over the you know course of like 25 minutes, I'm just asking a ton of questions to try to understand why he's saying what he's saying. And eventually, as we start to uncover the why, again, he starts to, starts to cry. And I'm like, well, what's happening for you right now? And he said, well, when I was younger, this became the only thing that I knew of to help me not be depressed. And I was on the road, like I had suicidal thoughts, like I was heading in a really bad direction, but this was the one thing that just distracted me from all of this. And he said that if I were to give this up, I'm scared that I would go back to that place. And so in an instant, his wife, I think the session was like, hugely beneficial, even though we didn't really do any work, just for the purpose of her understanding why he's doing what he's doing. Because in his mind, it's like, if I lose this crutch, I'm going to go back to a really dark place and I can't allow myself to get there. Therefore, I'm not going to give this up. Wife didn't understand any of that before our session. All she saw was husband resists. He doesn't care about how I feel. Anytime I bring up my concerns, he dismisses them and minimizes them. But when he ex- like reveals, I'm scared, I'm scared of going back to this dark place, instantly her heart softens. And now we can do some really, really good work. And we never got the chance to do it. So I hope that they did. I don't know. I don't know what happened to them. But you can work with that. You can work with the fear. You can work with the right. reservations and the concerns. But if it's just on the surface, is all, if, if all you see is resistance, again, we develop all these stories and try to make meaning out of it. And it usually, you know, it usually isn't in a way that's productive and you can't work with it. But that, that case always sticks in my mind and how important Man. that is to understand. Yeah, like such a powerful shift. I mean, when you say we didn't get a lot of work done, I mean, I'm hearing that and I'm like, that sometimes those kind of reframes, right? Just like we we talk, you talked about with uh, learning the difference between guilt and shame. I mean, sometimes just having somebody reframe something can be so impactful that it can yep. really set a new course. And so, yep. yeah, yep. I... I I'd love to, I'd love to know what happened to them as well, of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's been like <laughs> seven years. So who knows, but. Yeah. But, but there's this, but I, I agree. Like if the conversation only centers around whether or not this person's a good person or a bad person, or they want this or they don't want this. And like, we just kind of circle the drain around that stuff and don't split it apart. It's really hard. And I, and I, I really do think that it, it matters early on to make sure there's at least s- some security, some ability to create some boundaries around, you know, a willingness or, a, you know, to create some level of stability in the relationship. Because I think sometimes it can get so focused on, I, it's kind of like in, in, you know, the domestic violence arena, you hear, you know, safety before understanding kind of a thing, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not safe to just spend all your effort while you're getting, while you're in harm's way to like try and understand what they're going through. There has to be a baseline commitment that they want this to go away or that they're trying to be safe and that there's, you know, and so, so this, there is an order to it to a degree, but it doesn't have to take three years to get that answer, I think is what you're trying to say. (laughs) And I I agree with you, Sam. I just think that that, we don't need to wait that long. And I think we can, we can really accelerate this process by really learning how to, to get to the bottom of that stuff. What 
What other things have you found that seem to help expedite this process, but still maintain the integrity, the depth that we want to do the healing? So I think, are you talking about like in the relationship or individually? Goodness. I guess that's, a, so that's a good question because there's a lot of pieces to this. <laughs> there's I know. a lot of pieces. I know. I, my wife and I have this conversation all the time as we're <laughs> just planning podcasts and content. I'm just like, which one are we talking about? Because there's so many pieces, you know, <laughs> and it all blends together eventually. But, but um, so I guess to answer your question, I think I'd like to talk about the individual piece. I think we're talking about helping people overcome compulsive sexual behaviors and identity and, and some of these internal beliefs that we've been talking about, I think are, can be a huge shift. Are there other things that you found that really help speed this up so they're not just caught in this place of white knuckling for the rest of their lives? Yeah. Can I do a quick sidebar just to, because as I'm totally. thinking about, and then I want to answer this question, I'm just thinking, okay, if I'm, a, if I'm a wife listening to this, the last thing that I want them to walk away with is like, well, just like kind of give him permission. He's not a bad person. It's like, I don't want them to, I don't want anybody who's listening to this to kind of come away with this permissive like no. it's like the stance of permission when it's not that at all. I think the behaviors of course are unacceptable and we have to get those to stop. We're just talking about, again, cause I'm just thinking like, I could see how somebody could interpret this as like, well, they're minimizing it and it's not that big of a deal and give the, the husband a break. Cause he's, you know, if he's hard on himself, like we got to just be gentle with him. So I, again, I just want to be clear that when I, when I'm working with people in this arena, it's, there's not this stance of permission of like, oh, it's not that big of a deal because, you know, he's trying his best. And like, yes, while that's true, he might be, the behaviors have to stop. So it's totally. not that the wife should tolerate this, right? No. We're just talking about another way to approach this that can actually help the behavior stop faster in a more sustainable way. Yeah, which benefits everyone, which benefits everyone. And I, I agree that a lot of the times he might, the guy might be for months, maybe years, using that as a way to avoid accountability, right? Yep. yep. And so to hear us talk about some of the underlying things can feel like we're colluding with, you know, passivity or entitlement. And that is not the case. Like we, mm -hmm. we lead with accountability. We lead with honesty and safety. And those things have to be in place. So like I said earlier, you can't, you know, safety before understanding, you can't do any of this more delicate work if you're still in a heart space of blaming, if he's in a heart space of looking for excuses and blaming and trying to get out of any kind of accountability, that stuff has to happen and be in place and bolted to the ground. Yep. And then this other stuff, what this other stuff that we're talking about, Sam, I, I feel like what it really does is it allows a guy to keep just from like beating his head against the wall for the next three to five years, right. thinking that he's just a big loser because he's still struggling with this behavior. Yep. Or that so it's that's just right, right behind the door all the time. And it's like, it doesn't have to be like that. Right. So I wanted to say that because again, you. I know there's like so many pieces to this and there's Thank lots you. of complexity. So yep. that clar yeah, that clarity, responsible. yeah, that clarity matters big time. We want, we want everybody to understand exactly where we're coming from. So my whole you. thing is going back to that climber analogy. If she needs him and he needs himself, like to get to the top of this mountain or rather just like keep making progress, right? Because ultimately he wants to eliminate the behavior. So that's what yeah. we want to help him do along with all the other underlying change work and the relationship work and just being different. If he's still anchored to these negative beliefs, like he's not going to get very far, very fast. No. So that's this whole idea. Like when we're talking about what, you know, what to talk about today, it's, it's that piece. So it's not this attitude of permission, like, well, 
you know, he's stuck, so he'll keep falling and it's not that big of a deal. So anyways, I just wanted to at least kind of do that as a sidebar. So going back to your question, I think it's such a good question. It's like, okay, in what other ways or how can we help? And it's both. It's both men and women. We're talking about it in the context of addiction, but it's equally applicable for the wife who, when she finds out her husband's been acting out, she then thinks to herself, well, I'm not enough. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not pretty enough or whatever other negative belief she has about herself. It's the same process for her too. We're just talking about it in the context of addiction. So I think in terms of working with him, when I think about beliefs, I think beliefs are a result of an experience. Like people don't just wake up with this belief of I'm a bad person. It doesn't come out of nowhere. Right. It's always a result of some experience. And usually, so again, there's different ways to approach this too. I think about EMDR. Sometimes I'll talk about this and people say, well, does EMDR help? EMDR, I think, can be so effective with single incident events, like a single incident trauma. Most of the people that I work with, there isn't like a single moment in time where everything shifts, right? It's usually like, I don't know, they call it big T trauma, the single incident versus little T. Little T trauma is like chronic neglect and abandonment and, you know, just like rejection, that kind of thing. So when I'm working with people, it can be helpful sometimes to try to figure out, okay, what are some of these earlier events that when you experienced this, okay, maybe I'll share an example. It might be a little easier. I remember working with somebody who had this performance-based belief that if he wasn't producing and doing and earning and doing all this stuff, that his worth was connected to that, like his output. Oh, yeah. As I asked him about that, and it's really common. I think a lot of, especially men feel that because it's kind of cultural as well. Mm -hmm. So he said that when he was young, he had an experience where he was at his grandma's house and the fan broke and he went over to the fan. He was like six years old and somehow he fixed the fan. Don't know how, but his grandma then said like, wow, like, honey, that's amazing. It's unbelievable that you fixed the fan and your uncles couldn't figure it out. Nobody else could figure it out, but you did it. Like, that was awesome. So in that instance, the belief unintentionally, he internalized this belief of if I do something, if I produce something or fix something, then I'm accepted. Then I'm enough. That's a huge that, payday. A hundred percent, right? Especially <laughs> as a kid, it's like, yes, oh, yeah. I got acknowledgement, right? That's right. That became this like North Star for him moving forward that he always tried to achieve in school and do well at sports and make more money and do all this oh, stuff, yeah. totally. which affected his relationship because he was never home. Right. And then when he wasn't as successful as he put his mind, he set himself out to be, then it came back to, well, I'm worth less now because I didn't Mm. achieve the things. So it can be helpful to go back to some of these earlier events and help them reprocess them and understand them differently. Because if he walks away with my worth is tied to production or productivity, we want to revisit some of these events and help him shift and understand it differently. It's like, no, she wanted to praise your effort. Outcomes, like outcomes will take care of themselves. Outcome is not where the worth is. And just whatever it was, I think that was the direction that we took is just helping him shift it away from outcome to effort. And there was other things that we did, but the idea, the point that I'm trying to make is that we can go back and revisit some events where you got these messages, if you're aware of them. If not, there's other things that you can do, but like that's one angle to help them see it differently so that then they, they have a different lesson moving forward. Instead of production equals I'm enough. It's whatever else that empowers them that separates action from identity, kind of like what we mentioned earlier. Yeah. So, but with the more pervasive kinds of trauma, the stuff that's the little T trauma is the stuff that you just kind of, it's the water you grew up swimming in, right? Yeah. 
Yes. That's a different animal, right? Yeah. I mean, then there's a different process that I'll use with people. I think it's still helpful. I, I will st- I'll still go back because usually there is an event that they can think about, that there's an event that that in that case, again, I can, there's like some kind of symbolizes or sort yeah, of is, exactly. is emblematic of the whole. Yes. Yeah. That's right. So you yeah. help them have a shift around that and then mm-hmm. you can start to generalize it. Yeah. That's to what all of these other things that they've get stuck in as well. Right. So yeah, I think there's a lot of movement that can happen when you do help them kind of go back to this, like, yeah, this pillar moment, even though there might not be like a huge, it's just like, you know, my mom and dad were never around. They were always at work. So there's not like one particular day that you can go back and reprocess as much as right. the effect that it had, the impact that it had, right? You're right. The belief, belief that it creates about what that means for you as a kid, right? That yes. you're you're worth less than their time or... Exactly. Because yeah, then think... you can go in and reprocess that belief, right? That's where I think EMDR can be very, very slow because you have to target a single event each time. Yeah. But if you can do it in... And EMDR is super powerful. And I, I think there's a place for that. I think if you can target the belief though and help them shift the belief, then it generalizes to all of the times, mm-hmm. right? So you can go the other way with it too. Yeah. And I really, I really want people to know as you're listening to this, you know, if, if you're, whether you're the one struggling with the compulsive behaviors or trauma, if you feel like you're just at the end of your rope and you feel like behaviorally, you're just struggling and, and trying to hold on for dear life, trying to hold up that last domino, as you said, Sam, like there's probably some switches under the hood that need to be, you know, to, to be examined and, and talked about and looked at and manipulated a little bit underneath just to sort of push back and forth on them to see if we can get something to shift in terms of your view of self and your beliefs. And, you know, we talk sort of generally about shame or things like that, but it really drills into your view of self and that congruence, right? Like that's where things start to break loose for people when they really start to make gains in those areas. Yep. And again, that's when I think when people have changes in those areas, the shifts are so powerful that very quickly you see behavioral changes as well. So Mm -hmm. for like, for instance, I remember working with another person where there was some infidelity in the relationship and he discovered that it was resulting from this belief that he had that getting female attention meant he was like that validated who he was. Right. I feel like I'm enough. Right. When we worked through shifting that belief and helping him recognize that female attention is like, that has nothing to do with your worth or who you are and just reprocessed why he came to that conclusion. Right. He came back in the following sessions. He's like, I don't even like, I'm not even tempted by this anymore. None of this matters because the, it was like a light switch moment. Mm. And those are great. Like, I love those like miracle sessions. They don't always happen. <laughs> I know. But when you get them, like, it's so cool to see people <laughs> make right, a shift, exactly. right? <laughs> so it's like, you know, it can be those like light switch moments where they, they, they come to this understanding of like, this has been, I've been chasing this mm-hmm. for my whole life, but it hasn't meant what I thought it did. There's a change there. For other people, it's more of like a, instead of a light switch, it's like a sunrise where it's just, you know, reprocessing multiple, you know, sessions or lots of reinforcement. The outcome is the same though, where once you get this belief to shift and you believe and feel differently about it, you get to the spot where it's like the addiction doesn't have the same pull anymore because you've made these changes under, it doesn't, you don't have to use it to compensate for something that's not there, right? If you change this identity and you don't feel bad about yourself anymore, you don't need to find some way to cope because you feel good now. You know, it's like anything else. If your foot's broken, you're taking aspirin because it's in pain, but then the foot heals. It's like, oh, like I don't need aspirin anymore. Like I'm good now. I feel whole. 
Same thing with regard to this, like triggers and temptations are so often a result of, you know, it's like when we're in pain, we have, you know, want a a way to get out of those. And of course there's temptation because we're sexual beings. Those are different though. That's just like, that's not addiction. That's just learning to govern that energy more effectively. But in terms of addiction and how strong the pull is, that changes when the reason why they've turned to it for so long changes at the core Mm -hmm. level. Yeah. So don't stop. Don't stop at just the behavioral level and don't believe for one minute that if like you're working so hard to hold on for dear life and things aren't improving that you're doing everything you can. It, there's sometimes it's, it's about exerting less effort, right? In terms of just like sheer willpower and grit yep. and more about like learning why you're working so hard, what you're trying to protect yourself from. There's just, there's just a lot of, and again, working with a therapist or, or taking courses or learning and understanding the stuff underneath that's not just behaviorally focused will be one of the greatest things you can do in this process. Because to me, it's like a combination of the light switch and the sunrise I, in my own life, just my own healing journey yep. that I have these aha moments, but the change is so gradual like a sunrise because I, have, I keep having new experiences that challenge what I just had the awareness of. And sometimes I'll, you know, I'll I'll move through it nicely. Sometimes it'll be really turbulent. Other times I'll go back to sabotaging old things that, you know, I thought I had figured out and then there's a new awareness and then I get back up and, but it's slowly over time, it's getting brighter. And, you know, for all the beliefs and patterns and things that I've worked to change in personal development, it's been like that. And so there's no sort of like set it and go, you know, like there's a, there's (laughs) the light switches on and it just stays on. Right. (laughs) It's not, it's not a thing. I'm the same way. I think I'm glad you're pointing that out because in session, sometimes I'll see these really dramatic shifts, but it is followed up by reinforcement. And like you said, when it's not that we're robots, right? We reprogram our brain so that then it operates in this way forever. There's a constant refining process. And so I'm the same way where there have been like these aha light switch moments, as well as sunrise reinforcement, reprocessing, refining. I think that's like, that's the path for growth. And I guess if we were to put all of that into this container of that is possible and most easily achieved when you can separate yourself from the process. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I, I think it brings us back to that same place that if your identity is wrapped up in how much progress and how fast you're making progress, you're going to keep hitting the same wall. So let's say you have this really dramatic shift and you understand something and then you go back to the old behavior. If you then make that mean, well, I'm a screw up. And even if I, I, I understood this thing and I got this new tool or I, I get it now and I still did this thing and you go back to beating yourself up, it's, you're stuck in that same shame spiral. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. like all of this is possible. All the work and the refining is much more attainable and sustainable when you have this space of like, it's not who I am though. Like I can make mistakes and I can keep course correcting and I can keep making progress because it isn't like a reflection of my worth. Like Mm -hmm. that's where the freedom is. For me personally, like complete freedom. And it didn't, again, I had a light switch moment when I read Brene Brown's book, but it took lots of experiences to really change my thought patterns to the point where now it truly is like, I don't even think in those terms anymore. So in hopes to give people hope, you can get to the point where it doesn't trap you anymore. Like you just, your brain operates differently because of thousands of thoughts and decisions and reprocessing. Like 
lots and lots of time help you to just see it differently to the point where then it's like, now you're just different. You just don't Mm -hmm. interpret that in the same way anymore. Mm. Sam, good stuff. Yeah. So good to talk. Yeah. So good to talk about all this stuff. And I I love, I mean, one thing I've always just admired about you, you know, over the whatever, 10 years I've known you is that there's, you're just such a hopeful guy. Like you just are so convinced that there's a way, right? That there's, there's a way to make this better, a little bit quicker, that there's just, there's hope and possibilities and that people don't have to be stuck. And I've always appreciated that about you because I think sometimes it's, it's easy on either side of this issue, whether you're the one helping or the one going through the process to get discouraged and give up on yourself or on others. And I just love that enthusiasm, that willingness, and it makes you super effective in what you do. So I really appreciate that about you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. That's, uh, that means a lot, honestly, because I, I do believe that it's possible. And I know that when people are struggling, they don't have that hope. So in the beginning, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like lean on, like, I know we can get there. So let's, like, <laughs> That's right. let's keep moving. And now you're going to hit roadblocks and stuff. But yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate that. There definitely is hope. Yeah. So please don't give up on yourselves and don't give up on those you're trying to, to help and, and support. And I get like in a marriage context, right, Sam, we've we got to be careful of all the landmines here because- yes. We're not saying that you should stay in a really bad, dangerous situation. Right, exactly. <laughs> but your own healing for yourself, absolutely, it's totally possible. We can't control other people, but you can absolutely be better than you were if you want to. So, Yep, I agree. So Sam, let's go ahead and wrap this up. I'd love for people to know where to find you and what you've got going on. Sure. So uh, I have a podcast myself and you're on it as well, which is awesome. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's called <laughs> Couples Healing from Pornography Addiction. So it's like I, I spend time like with, you know, there's all aspects of it, the relationship, yeah. his, hers. And then I've got some free resources on my website, coupleshealing.org. So people are looking for like a free couples course or some tools for a husband, then there's things that, that they can find there as awesome. well. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll link all that stuff in the show notes so people can find you and the awesome work that you're doing. But Sam, thanks so much for taking time with us today. Great talking to you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Thanks a lot. You can learn more about Sam and the great work that he's doing on his website, healingcouples.org. Sam, thanks for joining me. It's so great to connect with you as always. And so look forward to having you back on the podcast down the road. And if you're looking for a resource to help you end your marriage arguments, you can go to the website fromcrisis2connection.com and to your email address and you will get a free downloadable guide on ways you can end your marriage arguments immediately. It's something that I wrote up to help couples really learn how to get out of the negative cycle that keeps holding you hostage as you're trying to talk through important things. So go check that out from crisis2connection.com and get the free guide to end your marriage arguments. Thanks again for listening every single week. It's good to connect with you and I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you.